Well, aloha from Maui, Hawaii. It's Michael Benner with today's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. And uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's 1 o'clock on the West Coast, 4 on the East, 20 hours GMT. Good to be with you today. We're going to talk a little about the interface between politics and personal development or the interface between the material and the spiritual world, and about the nature of evolution and revolution, (laughs) or revolution, and what's revolutionary about accelerated evolution, because at no point today will I be talking about any kind of violent revolution. We've... uh, learned over the years that we have much more power when we resort to developing awareness rather than picking up guns. Then you become like the oppressor. And people like Gandhi and Dr. King and um, trying to pronounce the, uh, trying to think of how to pronounce the name of the woman in uh, Burma or Myanmar. Sun Suchi. I'm embarrassed that I'm, I have a mental block on her name, but she obviously is a proponent of uh, nonviolence, very steadfast, and only this week entered the parliament for the very first time. It's very exciting. She's been under house arrest for like 15 years. And of course, uh, these are the principles of uh, Christ and other religious prophets as well. The idea of nonviolence, of of an accelerated evolution as opposed to a violent revolution. And, you know, I, I remember when the musical hair about the dawning of the age of Aquarius was popular in the 60s, and we thought it was at hand. Well, it is at hand, even though 40 years or more have passed, since everybody was singing about the dawning of the age of Aquarius, it's still at hand. It just takes a long time. Evolution is a slow thing and frustrating, and it's hard to be patient in the wake of so much injustice. And in many ways, the oppressors, the right wing, is getting more and more severe, more and more radical. Uh, crazier and uh, indeed off the deep end such that they don't really represent conservative philosophy. I I have a number of legitimately conservative friends who reject the right wing as being too extreme for conservatives. Certainly Ronald Reagan would never be able to get elected by this uh, current group on the far right. And I know it's depressing, I know it can be frightening, and we'll address today what this is all about and why we should be hopeful, why we should be optimistic, because in the end, progress wins. Progressive ideas eventually are adopted by a country like the United States, where we do have, even if it's been severely degraded, we do have some semblance of a democracy here. Since Citizens United 
and the ability of extremely wealthy people to buy the government and buy the elections, again, it looks dark and gloomy on the horizon. Like, how are we ever going to pull out of this? Well, because it's like 99 to 1, that's why. And because the evolution of consciousness or the development of human awareness is such that it favors a whole new perspective. There will be my argument today. And there is pending now a quantum leap to a whole new paradigm, a whole new worldview. It's not that the pendulum will swing from the right to the left and power will gradually be transferred in that way. What I'm going to propose today is a quantum leap in evolution that is at hand, it's imminent, it's pending, the future is now, as someone says. It's, again, less about moving from the right to the left or becoming more progressive. This is a leap that will require a whole new paradigm, a whole new model, a new perspective that I'm going to argue is vertical rather than horizontal. Now, sometimes when people talk about going from horizontal, left-wing, right-wing politics to a vertical paradigm, they're talking about money and materialism. They're talking about going from political ideology, conservative versus progressive, to a money awareness, vertical in the sense of where do you stand in a material world, in the economy. And sometimes you'll hear people make a reference to the shift from horizontal to vertical, meaning more awareness of where you are in class, in socioeconomic class. That's not at all what I mean by vertical. I mean going from a material perspective that is left and right about class, about the nature of power and money and authority, perpetual war, greed on a scale that nobody's ever seen it, and some very clever talking points to mask the true agenda of the ruling class that's pulled all of the money onto the economy, most a great deal of the money. I don't want to overstate it, but how could you overstate it? Uh, just because the billionaires don't have all of it. <laughs> it's a pretty dire situation. But that's already a material perspective, a fear of not having enough on the right and a desire to find a more integrated and balanced lifestyle that emphasizes community and caring and sharing and most of all concepts like freedom and peace and social justice. The right wing will talk about freedom, but usually what they're talking about is a freedom to deregulate, to take the government apart, to commit criminal behavior without prosecution, like defrauding people out of their homes or poisoning the environment, waging this perpetual ongoing war against ideas not even against nations, but a war against terrorism. So we're going to be terrible to... <laughs> it's like waging a war against hate by hating people, right? A war against terror. 
we're going to be terrible. We're, we're going to drop bombs and kill people to stop fear and terror. It's it's insane on the on the surface. So I'm not talking about the kind of freedom that permits criminal behavior. I'm talking about the freedom that embraces social justice. And if you've ever been to any kind of political rally, a progressive or liberal kind of rally, you've no doubt heard the chants, no justice, no peace. And it's a very important concept for you to embrace. The very fact that you're on this webinar means that you're interested in personal and spiritual development. It means to me that you have a conscience, that you are aware, and you're aware of your awareness, and that you would like to see the world be a better place. That's a progressive idea. That's a liberal idea. You notice when you go to college, you're educated in the liberal arts. Colleges don't teach the conservative arts except in economic class or perhaps a class on government and politics. So the liberal arts, the idea of being a liberal or a progressive, is to be tolerant of people who disagree with you. It requires a study of humanities, of social science, of education itself, of sociology. Did I say social science? And anthropology and history and these kinds of concepts, philosophy certainly, and psychology, that's part of being a liberal, not only in a political sense, but being progressively minded in terms of seeing people who disagree with you not as a threat, but as a resource that you can draw upon. Now, I'd like to suggest here at the top of the free forum today, and we'll get into this a little bit deeper today, especially in the premium training that follows in about 20 minutes. One of the primary ways of looking at the left-wing, right-wing philosophy, and there are several, is this difference between on the right, seeing people who disagree with you as a threat— it's a fear-based philosophy versus a leftist idea that people who disagree with you are a rich resource upon which you can draw. Now, there's much more opportunity for real freedom, real social justice, and a lasting peace when people see those who disagree as a resource uh, in Hawaii, the locals say all from the same rainbow. In other words, differences are honored and respected in the same way you would want to foster and maintain a broad, rich gene pool. Um, your study of evolution and of ecology, of uh, whether it was Mendel and his peas or breeding fruit flies or whatever is your exposure to evolution and natural selection, somewhere along the way you learn the importance of diversity in genetics. And so it is in any culture or society. This is one of the inherent weaknesses of the right wing. 
a talking point that you might want to develop with your less well-informed friends and family members, that part of being a progressive is not only tolerating and being patient with those with whom you disagree, but seeing them as a resource that informs you, that enriches the society in the same way that we're better off with 3,000 kinds of apples than 300 kinds of apples. You know, if you have less diversity, the chance of the whole species being wiped out is much greater. If, on the other hand, you have greater diversity, you have more flexibility in evolution. You can see the same thing in the gene pool of the aristocracy, what happened with monarchy in Europe after the Middle Ages and and how it got so inbred. And we had everything from hemophilia to actual insanity among the blue bloods and the ruling class or classes of Europe because they were so inbred. They started looking like the kid that plays the banjo on the porch in Deliverance. So being rich and wealthy doesn't protect you from that kind of inbreeding. Or if you've ever owned AKC dogs, you know, pedigreed animals, you know that when you breed for a particular trait, you have a downside over here. You you want an animal that has a beautiful coat. Well, as you breed for appearance, the animal suffers in some other area. Maybe it's not as smart. Maybe it gets hip dysplasia. Maybe it dies young. Maybe it's more prone to cancer. And you say, yeah, but it it sure looks beautiful, right? Or if you breed a dog to be intelligent, uh, a working dog, and to be very smart, like an animal that herds, for example, a a sheepdog or something like that, then there's a downside in terms of its appearance, just as an example. So diversity is a liberal or a progressive idea, and it's why educated people tend to be more liberal This is not always the case because, again, there are some legitimate conservative values. But the right wing in the United States, and to some extent now in England and Europe, these neocons are not conservatives. They're neoconservatives. And they believe in this ethic of a ruling class. All you have to do is a little bit of reading about neocons and their philosophy. And they believe democracy is a dangerous thing, that the people by and large cannot be trusted. This is the same thing that the monarchy said before the American and French revolutions. You know, oh, you, you can't let the people rule themselves, the, the unwashed masses, even Thomas Jefferson made reference at times to the tyranny of the majority. You know, if we put our Bill of Rights up for a referendum in the United States now, I think the Second Amendment on guns would get approved, but the rest would probably be wiped out and voted down because, or or racism. You, You can't put questions of discrimination or 
for example, the uh, gay rights struggle. Every time that goes up to a popular vote, it loses. You know, you don't put questions of human rights up for a popular vote. And yet we view democracy as a great potential. It starts with freedom and then with enough emphasis on responsibility, most of us believe we can create a wonderful nation. And then the United States, in spite of its crimes and its embarrassing history, from the genocide of the Native American Indian to the enslavement of Africans and others of color to discrimination against women who could not vote until the 1920s. And I could go on and on. And even today, America is 35th in the world in infant mortality. We spend more on health care than any other industrialized nation, and yet we have some of the poorest statistics because we have great health care for those who can afford it. But we have no health care for the disenfranchised and the poor. So without justice, you're not going to have peace or freedom. And this is a, a progressive idea, but it's really a universal idea. And I would like to link the idea of being progressive or liberal to what it means to have been exposed to a liberal arts education and to recognize the value of people who disagree with you, even people on the right. I mean, we do need a few paranoid right-wingers sprinkled throughout the population to keep their eye on things, right? (laughs) Again, I'm talking about diversity. I don't mean eliminate the right and then have diversity among the left, right? Real diversity means you got to have a few of these Michelle Bachman, Glenn Beck types. You just don't want them running the show. That's what happened with George W. Bush. He even broke with his father and clearly broke with Ronald Reagan and turned the country over to some extremely radical neocons who believe in the idea of a ruling elite that the general population just cannot be trusted with democracy. Now, the good news is I'm going to argue, I am arguing today, that there is this imminent leap, a quantum leap, a paradigm shift that must happen. You know, I'm not going to peg this to the end of the Mayan calendar, but many people have, And later this year, in December, supposedly, some sort of cosmic switch is going to be thrown, and the whole world is going to change. I don't see it happening quite like that. I think we are in transition now, and have in many ways been in transition since the 60s. What is this generation of of baby boomers that had these really bohemian values, these, uh, uh, whether you call them beatniks or bohemians or or hippies or uh, punk anarchists or (laughs) there's a lot of different names and and divisions. But this so-called counterculture, 
really emerged full steam ahead in the 60s with the civil rights and the anti-war movement, with consumer rights and feminism, and now gay rights, and it's all part of this emerging movement based not on politics, based not on the redistribution of wealth, (laughs) as the right wing likes to call social engineering and socialism. You and I know that to a large extent, it's driven by your conscience, that the reason you oppose war is not economic or political in nature. You oppose war because of a feeling in your heart. You can't tolerate the criminal nature of war itself. Just because you dress somebody up in a uniform and give them brightly colored ribbons and pieces of metal to kill, often non-combatants, women and children, that doesn't make war glorious. And because there are tales that come from war of grand heroism and loyalty and a sense of duty and responsibility doesn't mean that we can't cultivate those values outside of a theater of war. That does not make war a good thing. Now, as far as wars in the past, I'm not even going to debate that. Whether there ever was a so-called good war, this debate goes back over a thousand years. Thomas Aquinas wrote about the qualities of a good war. What does it <laughs> what does it take for a war to be legitimate? Well, you know, we're talking about humans evolving from their primitive warlike nature into a more civilized, educated, compassionate view of diversity and disagreement in the world. So the fact that we have had wars in the past, so-called world wars, my father was a veteran of the Second World War and would never talk about it. And he wasn't uh, dug into a foxhole someplace. He uh, He was in the Navy and yet saw real combat. The aircraft carrier he was on was kamikazed and Japanese fighter planes flew right down the smokestack of this aircraft carrier my dad was on and blew the thing up, and he's out in the middle of the Indian Ocean swimming for his life. Because when an aircraft carrier goes down, it creates a pretty big whirlpool. And he carried shrapnel in his body. You can see in his legs these pieces of metal that were buried too deeply to dig out. And yet, he never talked about it. Most soldiers, sailors, airmen, and women, they don't talk about their experiences in war because they know there's nothing grand or glorious about it. And increasingly, we're going to recognize that not only is war not essential, not necessary, and not a good thing, that war is the last resort And while many well-intentioned people, including people in our families, in your family as well as mine, may be proud of their military service, 
That's got nothing to do with the fact that war increasingly is understood as unnecessary and counterproductive. All war is a criminal activity. Shooting people, I was going to say shooting people you disagree with is one thing, but you don't even know that you disagree with these people. You've never even met them. The thing about war is you have to fly halfway around the world and shoot at people you don't even know over some kind of ideology you don't really understand. But this is just part of what we're going to talk about in the premium training. With your permission, I'm going to, even without your permission, I'm going to (laughs) skip the meditation in the free forum today and get right over to set up the premium training. This is a little bit different kind of a class today. But even if you're not able to join us in five minutes for the premium training, I'd like you to reflect on this idea that we're moving from a horizontal, left-right, political, materialistic worldview, view of the world, to a vertical paradigm that is about the evolution of consciousness, the unfoldment of human awareness. It's a very, very exciting time because in our lifetimes, we are recognizing a significant number of human beings realizing that we have the capacity to be very, very different than we have been to be in the image of love and kindness and truth and justice, to work for peace through social and personal justice. And that's the kind of freedom that democracy can represent, a non-material approach, a spiritual approach to evolution that is vertical in its paradigm rather than horizontal. Okay, instead of the bottom of the pendulum swinging left and right, we're going to climb the pendulum toward the unified peak. Go to theagelesswisdom.com if you have yet to enroll for today's class. You'll have a couple of minutes to do that. The thank you page will have the URL address and the password, and we'll meet you over there in a few minutes. Thanks very much for being with us today, and aloha from Maui, Hawaii.